This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 8th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. When Western wildfires rage, the feds get involved to put it out. But the U.S. Forest Service is largely just a firefighting service, and forest management is, at best, a second-tier priority. Jonathan Wood of the Property and Environment Research Center says litigation often prevents the kind of management that would protect habitats and prevent the most destructive fires. We spoke last week. In the West, people deal with fires in a way that out east here, we don't really have to. Fires are much easier to put out uh, in the east than they are in the west. And uh, the federal government obviously owns a vast uh, chunk of the 13 western states. And so uh, when you have federal management, state management of forests, and the salience of a fire is raging right now and we have to put it out, uh, give us just a, a picture of the lay of the land and what that regulatory environment looks like. Yeah, it's a very serious problem. So right now we have about 80 million acres of Western forests that are needed restoration, um, but we're not doing anything like the scale needed to address that problem. And the reason why is that if you want to do any work on the forests, you have to go through an extensive environmental review process. It may take years. Um, anyone can object. And anyone can, in fact, sue you. Um, and so you see project after project, especially the ambitious projects that might actually do something to reduce wildfire risk, are constantly locked up in bureaucratic red tape and litigation risks so that a project that everyone agree, almost everyone agrees makes sense may take a decade or more just to get through the paperwork part. All right. So if that's if that's the backdrop and we understand that when there's a fire raging, uh, the federal government, uh, which owns a lot of land, uh, has to get involved. How does that change what we see in uh, forest management? Yeah, the incentives are fundamentally wrong here. Right now, there is no amount of money we will not spend to put out wildfires, which makes sense. You're about protecting communities and trying to avoid the environmental catastrophe. But we don't put the same sort of incentive into managing forests so the fire doesn't happen in the first place. Um, right now, the Forest Service is not set up according to its own admission to manage forests. It is primarily a firefighting agency. Um, and so we're just letting the problem get worse. So the way I th think about it is it's like s maxing out your credit card every month and then only paying the minimum. Uh, you're just going to get further and further in the hole if you're not doing things to make sure that next year's fire season, the season five years, 10 years from now, isn't going to be worse. The only way to tackle that problem is to get out in the forest and to actively manage them to make them healthier. And that includes things like removing excess fuels through thinning and mechanical means, as well as prescribed burns, which can target some of the most dangerous fuel while keeping um, the trees that we all value safe. So when it comes to uh localities and states suing the federal government over their management practices, what are they suing over? They're largely suing over claims that this is a, a an attempt to do a clear cut without owning up to it, or to uh, they bring claims under the Endangered Species Act. The SACB editorial board actually had a, an editorial last week attacking environmental groups saying that you are just stuck in the past. We have to recognize that modern forest management isn't a clear cut. It's not the type of timber work that was done 50, 75 years ago. Um, the problem that many environmental groups were established to tackle has been solved. And today, forest management is much more selective and it's much more sensitive to environmental concerns. So thinning will be selective. It'll focus on the things that actually produce wildfire risk, which are small diameter trees and brush. And increasingly, there's an interest in using prescribed burns, but you can't implement those mechanisms on the ground if you can't get through the red tape, if you 
end up getting into court at the end of the day and are enjoined um, and prevented from doing that work. And that's really the problem that the policy problem that has to be tackled, is that we have to fundamentally change the way we think about it for us. If we don't actively manage them, they will get less healthy and more fires will burn. So and hotter fires. Uh, which which has its own effects. No, that's exactly right. So these are for fire adapted forests for millennia. Forest fires have been a part of managing forest health. Part of that was natural, like lightning would strike, and that that would burn a low intensity fire. Part of it was intentional. For millennia, tribes managed forests through prescribed burns in order to promote game and and other things that they valued. And for the last century, we've essentially eliminated all that. We put out all fires. We wouldn't allow any prescribed burns. Um, and the result is that we have incredibly overgrown forests that are choked by small diameter trees and brush that are actually threatening the larger trees and the older trees. Um, disease is more likely, insect infestations are more likely, and all of those things together just create the worst possible conditions for a fire. So that now, when a fire hits our forest, it's not a low intensity fire on the ground. It gets up into the tree canopy and will just destroy the entire ecosystem. So when a locality let, let's assume we're talking about a chunk of land that is uh, that is uh, either privately owned or owned by a local uh, government. You know, if a, if a locality decides, hey, we're going to do a prescribed burn, there are people who live in that community who might say, well, I don't want all that smoke coming through our town. And I don't want you politicians to make this to do this thing because I'm not particularly worried about uh, wildfires. Uh, when the feds do it, when it's a federal response, if they were to to do uh, or to think about doing prescribed burns, you would call your congressman and say, we got to do something about this. Don't do that, which is it's one at some point you have to decide which is better. Yeah, that's right. A lot of the opposition to forced management to prescribe burns ignores the fact that if you don't do something you're going to face a much more destructive wildfire. Um, the SACB recently had a story about a project in the Klamath National Forest, so the border between Oregon and California, um, that was about 10,000-acre 10, fuel reduction project intended to protect local habitat and local forest health. An environmental group delayed that by over a decade by raising objection after objection after objection. And most of them were based on a purported concern to protect the spotted owl. Well, the delay went on so long that the forest burned, all the owl habitat was destroyed, um, and thus what you end up at the end of the day is actually a worse environment. And if instead the Forest Service had been able to go out and to manage the forest, when the fire struck, it wouldn't have been as destructive, it probably would have stayed on the ground, it could have been put out more easily, and we would have more owl habitat today. So we're talking about forest management. Uh, at some point, we're talking about cutting roads into forests. And there are a lot of em environmental groups in particular that that's that specifically don't want that to occur. They don't mind recreation, but they do mind roads because uh, and maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong. Roads lead to cutting down trees. Well, it's both. Uh, often roads are created so that you can cut down trees um, to allow access to equipment, um, as well as to allow access for firefighting resources. Um, so there, there certainly is a lot of conflict over road building and road decommissioning. Um, some of it is that roads mean more people uh, get out into the forest. And so if you want a extreme backcountry hike, you don't want to encounter other people. Um, so that might change your experience. But the, the truth is the biggest wildfire risks are near communities. Like uh, Often we will allow wildfires to burn in the backcountry where they don't threaten anyone so long as they don't get so big and out of control that we can't contain them. 
the greatest risk are where the roads already are. They're the areas right next to Western communities where if a fire erupts and fuels are overgrown, um, the community itself will be threatened. Its air quality will be reduced and perhaps become dangerous. Um, that's really where a lot of the focus needs to be. I have my opinions about this, obviously, which are to the extent to which we can localize or at least uh, move these uh, pieces of property from the feds to the states that might uh, bring the decision, make the decisions more local and those trade-offs can be evaluated. Uh, the federal government doesn't really have a strong incentive to evaluate trade-offs in quite the same way that localities do, the people who actually have to live with the consequences of these decisions. Uh, so what are, what, are, what do you recommend? Well, I think it's safe to say that's not going to happen. The federal government is acquiring more land, not disposing of the land that it has. Um, but the idea behind what you're saying is exactly right, that in order to protect our forests and to make them healthier, we need to be allowing the people who have the most to gain or lose to be more involved. Uh, earlier this year, the Property Environment Research Center released a report called Fix America's Forests that emphasized how where we're seeing success, it's because local communities, local property owners, local businesses are stepping up and saying, we don't want to see this forest near our community burn. We're willing to get out there and do the work to contribute money to make sure that our forests are healthy. And that's really the low-hanging fruit, to make sure decisions are influenced or made by the people who have the most investment in the health of our national forests and are willing to pony up to try to see that our forests are managed properly. What does the litigation on this look like? Uh, the funny thing is it's not widely dispersed. You know, we think about litigation as a nationwide problem, but in the forest management context, it really is localized. From 2007 to 2017, there are almost 200 lawsuits filed attacking forest management and wildfire risk um, reduction projects. Almost half of them were filed in Montana and the Northern California alone. And what stands out about those two places is those are basically ground zero for catastrophic wildfires. Um, if you want to tackle the problem, you have to be doing on the ground work in Northern California and Montana to dry climates where forests are overgrown. Yet those are the places that are targeted the most by litigation. And that's not entirely a coincidence. Both are also located in the Ninth Circuit, which has made it much easier to get an injunction to stop a project based on the most technical of objections, that at the end of the day, you might ha not have any impact on the project that's actually done. But if you can point out, oh, you need to do this additional minor analysis, or I think this citation is wrong, those sorts of extreme technicalities can block projects for years in the Ninth Circuit. What do you expect to be the result here? I don't, the, you said the feds aren't going to turn the land over to the states or the localities, and uh, litigants have what? appear to be pretty legitimate claims about federal management and how that makes the risk of wildfire that much worse. I'm hopeful for the future. And the main reason for that is you're starting to see more and more people come along to the view that we have to be managing our forest for forest health, that that doing nothing isn't an option. Um, increasingly, you're seeing conservation groups come out and criticize the role litigation can play, emphasize the importance of more active management. California, which is by no means a conservative state, has been very vocal and active in trying to ramp up its own forest restoration work. And people throughout the Biden administration have recognized this is a problem that unless we tackle the causes for wildfire that we can actually control, um, which 
might exclude things like climate change, which play a role, but you can't reduce wildfire risk tomorrow based on climate change action. The only thing you can do in the short term is to go out and manage forests with wildfire risk in mind, focusing on fuels, focusing on reintroducing prescribed burns so that this problem doesn't doesn't follow us for the next decade or two. Jonathan Wood is vice president for law and policy at the Property and Environment Research Center. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.